Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning dear friends, great to be sauntering again. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us and Come with us on our journey. So Lord, we invite you into this moment. We invite you to come and speak to our hearts and reveal your incredible plan and your purpose in Abraham's life and these other guys' lives, Lord. Just show us how we fit into that picture. And Lord, just we welcome you. We welcome you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Kathy and Nikki. Great to see you guys. Um, so here we go. We are on chapter 17 today. Good morning, Lizzie. Good morning, Fran. Great to see you and Fliss. Now, we had some really interesting plot twists yesterday, didn't we? With um, Hagar, Abram's servant, and introducing a very different element into the whole mix. And that is the seed or the, should we say, let's use language we understand, the offspring of an Egyptian slave girl now has been brought into the mix, and Abraham's the dad of him. And we, good morning, Bev, and Alison, and Tracy Ann, and we discover, don't we, that if there's a destiny and a call on our life, even when we sin and we go off track, we kind of introduce a complication to it that perhaps doesn't exist for somebody who hasn't met God yet and doesn't really have that destiny yet being fulfilled in their lives. Although it's true to say as well that people sometimes begin to manifest their God-given destiny long before they actually meet him, which is another story. We haven't got time to explore all of that and chase it all to ground. Good morning, Johnny. Oh, good evening. (laughs) Good evening where you are. Great to see you, buddy. Um, so uh, it says in chapter 17, verse one, it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God almighty. Now that word, if you look it up, is El Shaddai. That's a new name we've not heard for God yet. And it's been, there's been some discussion about what it means And the general consensus right now is that it just means how it's translated here, God Almighty, the all-powerful God who can do, act sovereignly, do whatever he wants. And so this God, Elohim, Yahweh, now um, El Shaddai, God Almighty. And as Hagar told us yesterday, the God who sees me, what we're doing is we read through the book of Genesis, we're getting layer on layer on layer of revelation of the nature of God. And so instead of being this abstract 
God who's remote and far removed in creation, the the transcendent one, the one above everything, the Elohim, the God who created the heaven and the earth. We now begin to understand him on many other levels. We understand him as Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, the God of relationship, the God who sees me, and the all-sufficient one. And this is incredible, because what we're doing is we're learning theology through the narrative of the Bible as God reveals himself. And so it's not like these people are just drawing conclusions and philosophizing about what God might be like. God is introducing himself in these ways to people. And so this is very different from a kind of philosophical idea of what God might be like. Or, well, having done all the thinking, we think God is like this and we've constructed a God of our own imaginations. This is God again and again and again introducing himself by name. And he's very interested in names, as we saw Yesterday, he said to Hagar, the servant girl, you're going to call your son Ishmael, Yishmael, which um, means God who listens. And she understood something even through that name, that God has listened and God had heard her. It's amazing. So right now, God has appeared to Abraham. He's not just talking to him in a inner voice like you and I might be perhaps familiar with but God has actually appeared to him boom there he is and you can imagine he says I'm God almighty walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and my and may multiply you greatly then Abraham fell on his face I don't think we would do anything different when God shows up and says, I'm God almighty. Wow, we are literally going to be on our faces, aren't we? And Abraham did the only thing a human being could possibly do in that moment. He fell on his face. Good morning, Tim and Trace, uh, Katie. Great to see you guys. And uh, so Abraham fell on his face. And God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Wow. God's promises to Abraham are becoming more and more outlandish every time God shows up. (laughs) It starts off, oh, I'm going to give you this land. And then it kind of like ends up with this growing kind of set of promises that are so extravagant and so outlandish. Bear in mind, Abraham's 99. He's got no children through Sarah he's got one child and he's feeling desperately guilty about and it's caused a huge amount of conflict in the home so he's things aren't particularly going well for Abraham even though perhaps externally he's prospering and God seems to be giving him favor in lots of ways there are definitely some other ways where Abraham must be so frustrated bear in mind Abraham was 86 when Hagar bore Ishmael now he's 99. I'm, I'm not very good at sums, but that's a few years later, isn't it? And so he's saying, and so we read this story and we think, oh, it happened one t- one thing happened after another. No, there's a big gap in there. And uh, it's 13 or 14 years, isn't it? Gap. Uh, nothing happening. What's Abraham supposed to do? Go around, oh, hi, Sarai, princess. 
it's me, Abraham, exalted father here. You know, it's like, well, we're talking the talk, but where's the evidence of it all? Come on. And I can imagine him. Yeah, we, we can, if we put ourselves into the situation, sometimes we've got a job to wait for five minutes while the microwave goes ping, haven't we? But this is a long way, isn't it? And so he says, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Right, so we already have the idea now that Ishmael is going to be the father of one nation. Isaac's going to be the father of another. But God is saying, You're, you, Abraham, are going to be the father of a multitude of nations. Wow. <clears throat> now, Ishmael became the father of more than one nation, as we'll see. So he says, No longer shall your name be called Abraham. But your name shall be Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So instead of just being an exalted father, which in itself was a bit of an insult to a childless guy, he says you're going to be the father of a multitude, which is even more outlandish than before. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. <laughs> kings, right? Kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between you, me and you and your offspring after you through their generations for an everlasting covenant to God, to you and your Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me read this again. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So God, the El Shaddai, the God Almighty, is saying to Abraham, me, this God, this is the one you've been following. This is the one who's been making promises to you. Here I am again. I'm ramping it up. I'm saying, and there's more. Here there's more. And he says, there's going to be kings coming from you and I'm going to be their God, this God. Right. OK, let me say this. This is the God of Jesus. This is the God of you and me. This is the God who have believed in Jesus, have believed in. He is El Shaddai. He is Yahweh. He is Elohim. He is all of those things. And he's our God. Now, we understand in even another layer of God because Jesus said he's your father and Jesus refers to this God El Shaddai is Abba Father. <laughs> How can you believe that? We are really seriously jumping the gun. Also we're just going to say that he's, when God promises to Abraham that kings will come from him, you and I have been called a kingdom of priests and kings and so we are called to reign with him. And so there is, you know, it's still going on. These promises to Abraham are still being fruitful. They're still happening. There's something in the region of two billion Christians in the world. Well, if, if even half of them were living like kings and princes, that is a lot of kings or princes, as in like we're making it kind of unisex here, unisex kings. Queens doesn't sound quite the same, but that, that rulership, God is God has promised to roll that out through the offspring of Abraham into the earth. 
And he says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you. So this covenant I'm making now, Abraham, is not just with you, but it's with your offspring. It's with your people who will come, your descendants who will come from you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you, verse 8, uh, I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, we know that God has tied his promise of um, a of the la- land to the people of Israel. We know that God promised them this land, and it's it, and here God is again saying, this is an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Right, okay. Now, we, we'll pick up that. I'm not going to explore that too much right now because we've got a bit of ground to cover. But we've, to- we've touched on it a bit and we'll touch on it some more as we go on through. But this is an everlasting possession. Verse 9, and God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Right. First of all, God has said to Abraham, right, I'm, (laughs) hold on, let's just read it so I don't misquote it. In the first verse there, it says, he says, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Now the word there for blameless is tanim, which literally means faultless, blameless, perfect, full of integrity. Lots of the things that Abraham might have thought, gosh, I'm not that. I've done what's his name with my, you know, my slave girl. I've lied about my wife. I've done this. I've done that. I've done the other. And yet God has said to Abraham, he finds him righteous because of his faith. And now God is saying, right, I want you to walk before me and be blameless. Now, what is God asking of Abraham? He's saying, you're going to have to step out in this and I'm going to help you. But I'm, I'm giving you the ability. So when God commands us something, he also gives us the ability to walk in it and to do it right. Oh, we're going to have to, we'll have to think about this quite a lot, I think. So, right. And God said to Abraham, right, you need to keep my covenant. Verse nine, you and your offspring, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. Good morning, Pete, and good morning, Rosemary. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with you, sorry, with your money shall be surely circumcised, shall surely be circumcised. 
So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. He has broken my covenant. Now, covenants are really interesting. We were talking about this in in our life group the other day. A covenant is uh, is an agreement that human beings made and still do between each other. It's a binding legal agreement. Now, in the ancient world, a covenant was considered to be so solemn that it was often acted out by some form of cutting. And the word for covenant in Hebrew is bereth, which means to cut. And so we had the chapter 15 where God, um, where Abraham cut the pieces of animals up and laid them out and then God moved between the animal pieces with a smoking pot of fire in the middle of the night after Abraham had fallen into a deep sleep and it was like God walked in between the pieces of the animals like the two parties making the covenant would have done they would have linked arms and walked in and what they were saying was see these dead animals here this is how seriously we take this covenant and make God judge us like this if we break our covenant so that's the idea And now God is saying, listen, I'm making a covenant between you and it's a simple one. You need to cut off the foreskin of every male child over eight days old that's in your house. And if it's a slave that you brought in or uh, you've brought someone into your household, they too have to be done. And so this is going to be a sign of a covenant. Now, a covenant had several parts. One of it was it had two parties. So in this case, it's Abraham and God. And God is the initiator of the covenant, not Abraham, because God is greater than Abraham. So Abraham, for Abraham to presume to say, God, I'm going to make a covenant with you, is cheeky and upstartish. But for God to say, I'm going to make a covenant with Abraham, is so much God coming down to Abraham's level And saying, Abraham, I'm going to do this in a language that you will understand. This is something that happens all around you in the cultures and in formal agreements, land purchases, marriages, etc., etc. And I'm saying I'm making, I'm binding myself to you in human terms in a covenant, right? And I'm going to be your God, El Shaddai, that one, the almighty God. I'm going to be your God and I'm going to be the God of your descendants after you. And they're going to. So here's the two part, the two parties, right? God, Abraham, or I can't remember which way around. So then, uh, so first, then they have an agreement. And that is that that Abraham will, um, God is asked, told Abraham to walk before him and be blameless. But what he's saying now is, Abraham, I just want you to do one simple thing right now. This is the, this is the covenant that I'm going to be your God, right? I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be the God of your descendants. But what I want you to do is one simple thing, and that is to remove the foreskin of every male above the age of eight days old (coughs) in your household. And this is going to be how it's going to be from now on. And every Jewish boy who's ever born is circumcised. And it's a sign of the covenant that they see on their body every day, is a reminder that they're different. Now, there's something about the covenant 
about the circumcision rather it's the removal of the flesh now every covenant had two parties it had an agreement and it had a sign a reminder and so every day Jewish boy would see that he's different he's got part of his body removed now there's a really really important truth to that that we understand as we go through the bible that actually the circumcision is telling us in very graphic physical terms that to follow God there will be a cost to my flesh life I won't just get to carry on regardless and do what I want to do there will be a cost to me good morning Esther and so this snippy snippy of the foreskin of a little boy is a reminder that actually as a follower of God I live differently to the people around me God is requiring something different of me and the word flesh when we think about flesh we think about all that goes with the flesh our natural desires and appetites and there's something about this particular sign of circumcision that was for the Jewish boy that was an indicator that God is requiring my flesh somehow to be under his control and he's marked me in that way Right, we could say a lot more about that, um, but this covenant still exists, this, this symbol of um, circumcision still exists. Uh, I'm trying to read your comment, Tim. This promise was kept by God as he circumcised himself in the form, absolutely. So even Jesus, there's a really interesting thought, isn't it? Even Jesus himself, God, in human flesh, was circumcised, excuse me, he was circumcised on the eighth day. It's incredible, isn't it? So um, right now, listen, so we've got this all technical stuff sorted out, but now we're coming to the, the kind of really what might be the really important part of this, this um, chapter. Verse 15, and God said to Abraham, <clears throat> as for Sarai, your wife, or Sarai, I, you, you have to forgive me, I pronounce it different every time. Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah, Sarah shall be her name, which they both mean princess, but there's some discussion whether one means a slightly better version of princess than the other. But it's interesting, we have the word sir, which comes from the same root as Sarah, which, and we have the word czar, and um, lots of other words that come from the S-A-R, Sar, which means prince, and Sarah means princess, and we still have that term now, sir, in our language, don't we? But it's really interesting. So it's to do with nobility, royalty, and God is given to Sarah this incredible sense of dignity, saying, right, Sarah, Sarai, you're going to be called Sarah. And listen to this, verse 16, I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her. And she shall become nations, kings and people, sorry, kings of peoples shall come from her. That's incredible, isn't it? She's 90. Wowzers, honestly, 90. And God is making this incredible promise. He's upgrading her. Whenever God meets with us, he wants to give us an upgrade and just to push us forward into more of his promises and to invite us into more. God is the God of more. 
and he's inviting Sarah into more. And <laughs> I think Sarah, bless her, she's done. I think she's got run out of faith. And uh, verse uh, 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac or Yitzhak. It means laughter is still a name in our language. It's still a name in Hebrew today. And it means laughter. It's just phenomenal, isn't it? And you've got to get this. I, I, I love this, but this is God. This is the God El Shaddai. This is the creator of the universe. He's now meeting with this guy who's 100 and his wife who's 90 and saying, right, 90-year-old mum, you're going to you know, well, 90-year-old lady, you're going to have a baby and you're going to call his name laughter. <coughs> Excuse me. Abraham has already fallen on his face laughing before God. And I just think, come on. This is the same God. He, God is bringing his promise into the world through a boy called laughter. Not through a boy called Bible study or a hymn book or cathedral. It's through laughter. And I, I just love that. And, and this is this. We really need to catch something of the heart of God. There is a great joy in this story. It's just so much fun. And it's so improbable. And that's the whole point of it. God has allowed things to become so improbable that when it does happen, everybody knows it's a miracle. There's no question of what's going on here. This is a complete miracle. So, um, and Abraham said to God, so Abraham thinks, come on then, God. Yes, let that promise be for Ishmael. Absolutely. Amen. Bless God. And, and God says, yeah, sure. I'm going to bless Ishmael, but this is not what I'm talking about. And here we have a really important point. And this is the point from yesterday, really, is that God has made promises to Ishmael, but he has brought a covenant through Isaac. He's brought the everlasting covenant through the line of Isaac, the child of promise. Ishmael was, God blessed him. He wasn't the child of promise. He wasn't the covenant um, uh, child. He was, uh, God blessed Abraham's mistake. And God still has a massive glorious plan for the, for the uh, Arab nations, the Muslim nations to become saved and to find Jesus. But it was Isaac who God wanted particularly to single out to demonstrate his particular relationship with this nation and his particular, because God was going to continue to reveal his covenant nature and reveal himself through this particular nation. And so this is really important. So he says, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and he will make, oops, um, and will make him fruitful and multiply. Sorry, my batteries. just, I hope we're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Um, 
As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So right, God's now pinning himself down to a time. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and those born into his house or bought with his money, every male among them, among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin that very day. Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. This is an incredible moment. Can you imagine how sore everyone was in the house of Abraham (laughs) those next couple of days? I don't expect anyone was doing much work. They were all kind of feeling sorry for themselves. And uh, but they were understanding this was a significant moment where God was solemnizing a covenant that was not just with one man but that was going to be with a whole nation wow 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 so much to think about I have skimmed it guys but you can read up on it and comment as much as you like it's a great it's a great story and we're still living in the good of it now May God bless you. Have an amazing day. Bye-bye. See you soon. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. uh, Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.